Yes, and on this Friday, it is Adam White and Bryce McGain with you. Don't forget, after 7 o'clock, Gareth Hall will join us to go through the races, the four days of fabulous Flemington from tomorrow with Derby Days. So Gareth will give us, hopefully, some winners uh, for Saturday. We might even look ahead to the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. And we'll also, a little bit later on, have a chat about Cameron Percy, who shot 10 under in the first round uh, in Mexico on the PGA Tour. Uh, I think it's his lowest or equal lowest score he's ever had on the PGA Tour, but he leads by two. And he played in the afternoon, which means that he's got a chance to go and post a really low number and sit in the clubhouse and hope the wind blows really hard in the afternoon. So we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on as well. But we're now joined by Theo Doropoulos, who is, uh, well, he's the Channel 7 footy reporter in Adelaide, but he's soon to be the Channel 7 footy reporter in Melbourne. Now, there's a bit to unpack about that because he's also a former teammate of Bryce McGain. Theo, welcome to the program. Good evening. Good to be here. Now, Bryce, uh, explain, talk to us about Theo as a cricketer. I don't, I'm not, I don't care about it as a footy reporter, as a cricketer. He's a dynamic all-rounder, uh, WA, and then we cross paths, obviously, for the Adelaide Strikers. And uh, you still have time to have a hit at some point in time, or is it more on the golf course for you, Theo? Oh, good. Mainly on the course, mate. I think once you get to the point where, you know, the selectors decide you're probably surplus to requirements, you get to that sort of late 20s and it's probably not going to happen for you. you know, I mean, you just come to the realisation pretty quickly, don't you? Not all of us are blessed to go out on uh, on our own terms. So when it's forced on you, you pretty much sink or swim. So I, I did play a C-grade T20 just to make sure my eyes and body was still working a couple of years ago and I really enjoyed it but mainly just on the on the golf course now what you'll realize Theo is that there is a media 11 uh, in Melbourne <laughs> this is where selection and, was uh, leading <laughs> there's someone in this room that is very much part of the selection process and uh, you'll be getting phone calls uh, very soon about playing for the media 11 this is very exciting that you're coming to Melbourne I have heard that there are certain privileges with moving across the border and that by Andy Marr was made very clear that I would be required and there I say it's just a privilege to be considered. Very good. We've got to, actually got a game in a couple of weeks against the MCC at the Albert Ground. So there's sort of uh, opportunities that uh, lie ahead <laughs> coming across to <laughs> Melbourne. Uh, I'll be in touch. Um, but just uh, on the footy, Theo, I, I want to start with this thing around the Port Adelaide situation and the SANFL and, and where that might lead and sort of the time frame around this reserves discussion, AFL reserves discussion. Well, what I reckon this has been in the works for years. I'm talking decades, really. The initial agreement with Port Adelaide upon entering the AFL was at, at early on in the piece is they were going to lose the Magpies and play their reserves in a, in a VFL-style competition, National Reserves competition. It's reared its head a number of times in Adelaide over the journey. I think in 2015, there was a bit of conjecture about what was going to happen with the two clubs. Uh, Port Adelaide was keen to, again, make sure they were aligned under the power and meant the end of the Magpies, which have been one of the fabled franchises of the, or fabled teams of the Sandville, really. And so, again, in the, um, well, it was a couple of months ago, Port Adelaide did go to the Sandville and say, I think the time has come. It won't happen in 2024, but I would expect, again, we've been saying this for some time over this side of the border, that it should happen at some point. I think 2025 is the year that Port Adelaide expects to be out of the sample. They've done a lot of the heavy lifting, and the Crows will go as well. They've just been happier to sort of sit behind the scenes and support Port Adelaide's cause 
um, you know, just from afar, but Port Adelaide has certainly been front and centre with this. So what's the, the major issue from a, a Port Adelaide SA NFL thing? Is this a, they're worried about the, the lack of standard? Are, they, they, are there other things that are, are worrying them that, that sees this situation potentially breaking away? Well, Chairman David Koch cited a development issue with the players, saying that they have to be uh, aligned and, and keeping up to speed with the AFL clubs, which it's funny to hear that because you hear a lot of players come from Victoria and they play in the sample and it's regarded as one of the best competitions in the country. I guess a couple of the rules might be different, but there were splitting hairs when you talk about last touch out of bounds and you know a 25-metre penalty. I mean, they're not really definitive rules that would change the way a player's developed. I guess to keep up to speed, you, you think you might play against some bigger bodies in the VFL. You'd be aligned under the AFL umbrella. So there are a couple of things. They've certainly got their reasons at Port Adelaide. They just don't seem as clear-cut uh, to those outside the club as what they would you know, expect and the advantage that they would gain by moving away from the sample. So it's been a long time coming. As I said, it's not a bitter separation. I think it's just... One of those situations where one club has been wanting to get out for a while, they've come to a, a juncture where they've thought, yeah, this is us, and now's the time. It should happen in a year. We've spoken uh, earlier in the program about five on the bench. What's your view on that? And maybe a bit of a feeling from some of the South Australian teams as well. Well, I think personally, I like it. I'm not a massive fan of the sub rule, to be honest. I know the players hated it when it was introduced in the the green and red vest, I think they phased that out sort of 2015 way as well back in those days. I wasn't a fan of it. I think you've got your players on your interchange um, like basketball. If someone goes down, then, you know, that's the nature of the game. It's a nutritional game. People get hurt. If you get hurt or you're not playing well enough to be on the field, then that that's the balance of the beauty of coaching and the beauty of playing the game. I know um, I think the South Australian teams are all for it, really. I, I think they're not massive fans of the sub. Five on the bench would be fine. You know, whether one of them is, again, used in a tactical nature or you just pick your, your five best. But as long as that's where it ends, like I, I don't think we need to go any further than this. Personally, I was a fan of four. You know, if someone does go down and it's four against three, then, yeah, that's bad luck. But if it, if it expands to five, no problem with that. But I think we, we do have to stop there before we start introducing, you know, the entire squad's available for three hours on a Saturday. I think, you know, four or five is definitely enough. Now, the, one of the big talking points through the week was Don Pike going uh, across to Western Australia and uh, to be the CEO of the Eagles, where he was a, a multiple premiership player, but he also did coach Adelaide as well, um, quite successfully, to be honest. He got them through to a grand final. Um, what's the, the, the talk out of Adelaide about Don going back to the West? Well, Don is a remarkable guy. His career, as you touched on, has been incredible. And he left here, I mean, in pretty difficult circumstances after the camp, you know, following the 2017 grand final. We had player exodus. We had discontent around the state. They were public enemy number one for quite some time, really, the Crows, and uh, didn't take too much um, invitation from Melbourne to sort of jump on board and give them a whack, which they probably deserved at the time too, didn't they? So he, he left with, I think, the highest win percentage for a coach in Adelaide history. He went to Sydney and drove their dynamic ball movement and such is the nature of the guy that he is so successful in a different field in business. And oil and gas exploration was his um, bread and butter in between coaching. That He's extremely wealthy and has an eye for 
now running a business that has what in excess of a hundred million dollars of assets and he's probably one of the most recognizable brands in the country so to have the business acumen to have the on-field now to be a premiership player it really is he's, he's almost had two hall of fame careers in two separate uh, fields so the fact that he's returning there yeah he was fondly looked at while he was in adelaide as what many thought would be the crow's next premiership coach until you know, one bad day in September against the Tigers, and then a couple of bad decisions probably derailed uh, his time here. But it's a great get. He's a, a brilliant bloke, and he, he knows the game really well. You've done an outstanding job as a referee to get him the job as well. You, you <laughs> summed it up so nicely, Theo. Um, the move to Melbourne, when does that happen, and what are you looking forward to about uh, coming across the border? Uh, early January is my official start date. I'm you know, not looking forward to... Uh, as being the outsider again, you know, Victorians, they know their footy, the Victorian footy fans. So, look, I'm, I'm just excited when you think about the work Mitch Cleary does, who's you know, widely regarded as one of the best football journalists in the country, if not the best. The work Tom Brown did to elevate, and Mark Stevens elevate these positions to, to one of prominence. You know, it's a, a privilege to come and jump into the seat and work in that newsroom in in the best footy town and sporting town in the country. Um, look, outside of that, I'm really looking forward to this uh, media cricket day. I've heard just so much about it. It's the place to be. And look, if the phone rings and I can come in and maybe about six or seven and slog a few at the end, you know, just hopefully the career ends a little bit better than it did at the Adelaide Strikers. <laughs> just doing the dates here. I think there's six or seven Saturdays games you could play after Christmas for the Q Cricket Club. This is... Uh, some more serious cricket than the Media 11, I think, if uh, we can sort of get the dates to, to line up. Um, Theo, thanks very much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll catch you again soon. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Theo Andropoulos there, Channel 7 footy reporter in Adelaide. And uh, as we've said, coming to Melbourne to uh, to take over from Tom Brown. How are those shoes to feel? <laughs> Tom Brown shoes. <laughs> that would be a very daunting operation, I would have thought. Um, so there you go. We might take a break. We're going to come back with the Thai Power Sports Update. We might hear from a few new recruits. They've spoken to their new clubs. Lockie Schultz, so if you're a Magpie fan, you might want to have a listen to that. And maybe we might get a bit of uh, Ben Mackay action as well. Uh, it is, what is it, uh, coming up to 19 to 7 in Melbourne. Back more shortly.